Well, if you've been traveling through Matthew with us these past seven months, you may be sad to hear that we've reached the end. Or maybe relieved. I don't know. I have really enjoyed slowly making our way through first Jeremiah and then Matthew with a short break in between, and have been really surprised at just how much I've learned, especially in how connected the two books are. I've been struck over and over again, not just by the many actual quotations of Jeremiah that we find in Matthew, but all the echoes and allusions and resonances and thematic overlaps. It's really enriched my own understanding of the Bible, and I hope it has yours as well. And it's really enriched my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus into the world. And that's good because we're going to draw on that today as we take a look at the final words of the gospel, the ending that Matthew saw as the best way to draw his story about the life of Jesus to a close. You may have heard it called the Great Commission before, but this is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were hesitant. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew ends by sending his readers out to carry on, in fact, to expand upon the mission that Jesus had begun of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Expand it because while Jesus said, quite rudely we might think, to a Canaanite woman who had come to him for help, that his mission was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he is now sending his followers out to all the nations, Jews and Gentiles, a mission we see carried on in the rest of the New Testament, in Acts and the letters of Paul. And what I want to do today is take a deeper look at what this mission is that Jesus is sending his followers out on and why Matthew saw fit to end his gospel this way. And I want to start by looking at a couple of common mistakes in reading this passage, one from the right, so to speak, and one from the left. So first off, this passage has been the rallying cry of countless evangelistic crusades, telling people the four spiritual laws and getting them to pray the prayer and all that. But many of these efforts seem to have stopped reading these words when Jesus gets to baptizing them and not continued on to teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Because this passage isn't a call to evangelism, at least not in the narrow sense that we often mean when we say evangelism, of getting someone in the door, so to speak. This great commission is a call to discipleship. It's a call to invite all peoples to put their trust in the God of Israel and to reorient their lives around the goodness and justice of the kingdom of God. We are only a couple chapters removed, remember, from the sheep and the goats, There is no hint in Matthew of a pray-the-prayer sort of faith. This is a roll-up-your-sleeves, change-your-whole-way-of-being-in-the-world-and-find-the-road-to-life-in-the-kingdom sort of faith. I don't think any of that is going to come as a great surprise to many of you. But this is where we run into the other, almost the opposite, mistake in understanding this passage. As a little background here, when I need to think about a sermon, I like to walk around our neighborhood and up through Claremont Village, Claremont is the town that we live in, into the neighborhoods up above as you go up the hill towards the mountains. I find a good hour, hour and a half walk lets my mind wander and think and usually clarifies for me what I want to say and how I want to say it. And in these neighborhoods, it seems like about every third yard has a sign in it that I bet you have seen as well. Although in hippie liberal Claremont, I'm sure they appear with a bit more frequency than other places. And they say some variation of, in this house, we believe 
Black Lives Matter, Women's Rights are Human Rights, No Human is Illegal, Science is Real, Love is Love, and Kindness is Everything. Sometimes with something else substituted in or the order rearranged depending on the pet issue of the particular household, I'm sure most of you have seen it, some of you probably own one, and I've always thought as I see these signs that there's something missing. And I've wanted to bring it up in a sermon at some point, and this passage actually gives me the perfect opportunity to do it because I think these signs are emblematic of what's a more typically liberal understanding of following Jesus. In contrast to the pray the prayer conservative understanding, we need to do justice. We need to care for the oppressed and the alien and the widow to love others. In other words, we need to obey all of the ethical teachings of Jesus, which means we need to care about good liberal justice sorts of things. And some who go in that direction lose sight of the reason for it all. And the result is that the final line of these signs is kind of pathetic. You could not find a more limp, meaningless platitude upon which to base justice work than kindness is everything. But that's where far too many liberal Christians end up. Oh, it's nice to be nice and it's good to be good. We should be good. We should be nice. But the starting point for Matthew is not some hand-wavy, we-should-be-good-people sentiment. It's a clear, specific reality. Jesus is king. All authority, Jesus begins, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. There is only one reality in which black lives actually matter, where women's rights are actually human rights, where no human is actually seen or treated as illegal and all the rest, and that's the reality of the kingdom of God. If Jesus is actually king, because otherwise science would tell us pretty clearly, actually, power is king. And this world is and always has been about survival of the fittest. My tribe over your tribe, winner takes all. Our kids really like watching Disney nature documentaries, and they have these soaring depictions of the beauty and majesty of the natural world. And sometimes the strongest bear waits until a weaker one catches a salmon and then goes over and takes it because he can. And then that bear tries to eat another bear's cubs because he can. And sometimes a family of snow leopards moves into the territory of another mama snow leopard and drives her out, condemning her and her cubs to starve to death as a result because they can. The natural world, the one we evolved in, as the poet Alfred Lord Tennyson said, is red in tooth and claw. And so people can work for justice, but injustice will persist because kindness is everything is quite plainly false. And so it's a poor foundation to base a life of working for justice on. In the end, living a life of obeying Jesus, of doing justice and mercy, of sacrifice, that only makes sense if Jesus is Lord. Because otherwise, living a life like Jesus's life leads the same place that Jesus's life led, death. If Jesus didn't come through death to the other side, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus hadn't been glorified by God and given all authority on heaven and earth, then our obedience to Jesus is, as Paul tells us, foolishness. It's just one more path that leads to death. Which is why I want to edit those signs. I want to make one that replaces the final platitude, kindness is everything, with a real foundation for a life dedicated to the justice issues on the rest of the sign. Because Jesus is Lord. Why does discipleship make sense? Why does the road of following Jesus lead to life? Why should we invite others to follow Jesus in discipleship, living a life like his life, obeying all he taught us, 
because and only because Jesus is Lord and all power on heaven and earth has been given to him because it is only if that reality is the true reality that we will find discipleship to be what Jesus tells us it will be, the narrow path to life. So I want a sign that says, in this house, we believe Black Lives Matter, women's rights are human rights, no human is illegal, science is real, love is love, because Jesus is Lord. We're thinking about selling merch on our website sometime, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) probably not. So those are the two misunderstandings that can arise from this passage. But there's one final piece of the Great Commission that we need to not skip over. So let's read it one more time, just starting in verse 18 with Jesus's words. So Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because even when we believe the reality that Jesus is Lord, giving us a foundation from which to work for the justice and goodness of the kingdom so that that might become reality on earth, it can still be exhausting and lonely. It will still be the case, as we saw in the chapter on apocalyptic from a few weeks ago, that family and friends might turn on you or fall away, that all sides will see you as a traitor to the cause, that the lure of the many roads that don't lead to life will always be there. It will still be the case that the road of discipleship is a road of sacrifice and sometimes pain, a road that often leads where it led for Jesus, to the cross. How do we sustain discipleship in those circumstances? How do we continue to work for justice in a world filled with injustice, when things just don't seem to get any better? How do we try and bring goodness into a world that meets goodness with scorn or takes advantage of it? How do we live sacrificially? when our sacrifice costs us so much, we remember Jesus's final words in Matthew. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. One of the markers of the kingdom of God throughout the Bible is the presence of God with God's people. Jesus's words here are very similar to the promises we find in the Old Testament, that when the kingdom of God comes, God will be with us always. God's presence will be a reality that we can count on. God's sustaining, abundant, joyful presence. We won't need to fear because God is with us. We won't despair because Jesus is present. We won't fall away because the Spirit is sustaining us. Discipleship without the reality that Jesus is King is foolish. Discipleship without the reality of Jesus' presence is unbearable. I think one of the ways this presence is experienced is through one another the community of God's people representing God's presence to us in tangible, real ways. We live out the one another's from the Bible and in the process, bring God's presence into one another's lives. And also, God is available and present to us in more direct ways as well. When we were together, one of the people who was a part of our community was sharing some of his experiences of how that presence of God can be experienced, how it can be found, and also what it might look like in our lives. But for now, let me just say that this is why openness to God and what God is doing in our lives is one of our core values in this church. We believe it's important that people engage in the practices, whatever those might be for them, 
that allow them to experience the goodness and presence of God in their actual everyday lives. So we live lives of discipleship, obeying ourselves what Jesus has commanded because Jesus is king, sustained by God's presence with us. But this is also the invitation that we extend to those around us because all nations, all people need to hear the good news that the time of injustice is over. The kingdom is here. The goodness and justice and life and abundance and presence of God are available now. And we are invited to join in as the kingdom expands. The way of discipleship is the way to life now and forever. And it strikes me in this gospel of Matthew that Jesus goes first to the ones who are nominally the people of God, the ones who are supposed to be God's people, the Jewish people, inviting them to repent and believe, to join in with the kingdom that is here now. And then in these verses, these final words, he broadens out that mission to all nations. I think the same dynamic is true today, that both the nominal people of God, the church, need to hear the good news, and those outside the people of God need to hear it. That those who are ready to be disciples will be found in both places when they hear that Jesus is king. We hope that this community, Pomona Valley Church, can be a place of discipleship, where we follow Jesus and obey as best we can what Jesus teaches. We hope it can be a place of God's presence, where we as individuals are cultivating life with God, and that we can be a community that represents God's presence to one another as well. And we hope we can be a place of invitation, where both those from inside and outside the people of God would hear the good news that the kingdom is here and would be invited to join in and participate in that kingdom, rolling up their sleeves to bring the goodness and justice and presence of God into the world as we follow Jesus together. May that be who we are. Amen.